Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today, we're going to be talking about how our kids are just driving us crazy and how we're dealing with this. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-aged children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I'm a mom of four kids, a teacher that's taught every grade from preschool through high school. And today I help moms and dads like yourself to navigate that exhausting, confusing, frustrating, but very rewarding world of parenting. So welcome to The Impactful Parent. And let me introduce you to my co-host and best friend, Melissa Clark. Melissa is a mom of three and has been a teacher, a social worker, and a therapist. But Melissa found her true calling with Gestalt Coaching, and today Melissa helps parents heal past when step into their best self with the Gestalt Method of Therapy. Now, welcome to this episode of The Impactful Parent, because we're really glad that you're here. As I've said, today's topic is all about managing stresses and the pressures of parenthood. Well, hello, Melissa. Good morning, Christina. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story to get things going. So I was at a football game the other night and just watching the game. And I was at the pregame party. I wasn't planning on drinking. I wasn't planning on actually doing anything um, except for just showing up and having a good time. But of course, I get there and immediately a beer was flung into my hand. Immediately, right? Now, as I get older, I can't even drink beer anymore. It completely sucks. Like, I used to love beer. And if you know anything about Colorado and you're listening, you know that we are a craft beer state. Like, we are all about our beers here. And I was so disappointed when my body, as I'm getting older, just stopped tolerating it. But it got me thinking. I wanted that beer really bad. I knew I couldn't drink it because it was going to make me feel sick and bloated and disgusting, but I wanted it bad. And the reason I wanted it was how stressed I am. I know last week we did an episode about some stresses of the season, and it definitely has been top of my mind still as we're in this interim between Thanksgiving and the holiday season. And it just got me thinking about the pressures of drinking during this season. And not just as during the season, of course, because of course there's beautiful cocktails and all the cute little things that everybody wants you to drink. But just in general, whenever I want to get rid of my parenting stress, I lean toward trying to figure out how to numb out. And I know I'm not the only parent that does this. And I'm a good parent. So I'm not saying that I do this all the time. I'm not saying that even if I did do that all the time, that would make me a bad parent. I'm just saying that I think we need to figure out some different ways to cope. And it's really frustrating to me. So that's what I really wanted to bring to the table to our conversation today uh, between two girlfriends by ourselves. And one statistic as I was doing some research about all this, actually says that single parent households and blended families have are much more vulnerable, according to this University of Wisconsin study, to have households where 
we lean into certain substances, whether that's alcohol, beer, wine, marijuana, if you're in a legal state, um, even other recreational drugs, even if they're not legal, we, we lean toward those things as a single parent and as a blended family to alleviate stresses. And I thought that was a really interesting study after what I've had felt. So I just said a whole lot to start off this episode. I want to get your take on what do you think about what I'm saying? And any comments, what do we do? It's tough. Like in America, that's what we do, right? For every holiday, for every birthday, for every sporting event, concerts, anything like that. Alcohol is so much immersed in our culture. That's just what we do, right? You show up somewhere, you get a drink. And it's, and it's tough and we're conditioned that that's just our normal from a really young age, right? That's what college kids right off the bat, they go out and party, they go out and drink. And, um, and yeah, there's a lot of side effects and consequences for our health, not to mention safety wise, but especially as we get older, it's rough. And it's unfortunate that that's, that that happens, especially, yeah, just normal, Working parents wanting to go out and have a good time of having a drink or two at a game shouldn't be that big of a deal, but we definitely pay the consequences for it later, unfortunately. So what I've noticed is a couple of weeks ago, I had an episode called Mommy Wine Culture. I think it was called The Truth of Mommy Wine Culture. And I really loved this interview I did with this lady who, if you haven't seen that episode, go back and check it out. Um, she just, she advocates that there is this whole mom wine culture that happens. I mean, with memorabilia and everything, like we go to boutique stores and they're saying, you know, have some wine. So it's even society telling us, are you stressed? You deserve a glass of wine. Now they don't say, Hey, you deserve a joint. Like it doesn't happen there, <laughs> even though that joints are also legal in many states, including the one that Melissa and I live in, <laughs> you know, but it still ponders that question, like why wine and why not other substances? And why is it that wine is so much more acceptable versus let's say a joint or a couple of beers or even a couple of cocktails before dinner? What's the difference? Is there would you look at anybody differently? You know, just thinking of this as you're listening to hear my voice, like, would you think of it differently? Whether, hey, I have a couple of wine, a couple of glasses of wine with my meal versus I have a couple of glasses of cocktails with my meal every night. I think it has a different stigma. I think so too. Yeah. The hard, hard liquor versus wine has a different stigma. And I think, and especially, and especially when you're talking about drug use and recreational, you know, marijuana or something else. I feel like that stems from our history as a country and how we've treated drugs, drug use and alcohol use in the past. And wine is seen as like this upper class, you know, middle to upper class substance that, yeah, you can go on wine tours and wine tastings. And it's like this classy thing to do. So wine is acceptable because it's, it's classy right? Versus when you think of somebody smoking marijuana, at least when we were growing up, there was so much shame around it, right? The whole war on drugs in the 80s totally took us as a country in, it, in this completely uh, one direction around drugs, that drugs are bad, drugs are evil, right? You're part of 
devil Satan worshipers if you do drugs. Like it was, it was very, very shameful. So it's interesting how it's come back around in a lot of states like Colorado. I feel like we're really progressive here in trying to change that narrative of actually it's a, like, again, marijuana, it's a plant. Um, there's, it's turning into a bigger industry, but it's nothing like big pharma. And we're talking about those kinds of drugs. Like there's so much money being pushed behind them. Um, and then the alcohol industry is huge, right? You can't watch TV without seeing, especially sporting events. You can't see, you can't watch it without seeing advertisements. So it's interesting how we're changing as a culture and what's acceptable and what's not. And, and I feel like it's different for men and women too, right? Men have always had their beer, their beer buddies, you know, they're, they're men, they're man caves and drinking with the guys out in the garage and watching football and drinking on those. And I think the women, it's always, we've always done it but it's only become more acceptable the more freedoms that we've had and and all of that you know that we're out on our own and we're doing more things independently of men that i think that's where the wine culture kind of is coming from is oh we can have our space too we can have our our woman den or our girls night out and you know went back in the 50s and 60s they probably didn't do that yeah and one thing i love that you said was that stereotype of men always having their beer, because I think we have stereotypes. Like if a woman drinks a lot of beer, that's more frowned upon than a woman that drinks a lot of wine. Like Mm -hmm. we're kind of boxed in now to throw one other whole wrench into this whole thing before we move on (laughs) is there's a new substance that a lot of parents have been leaning toward to help them cope. And that is mushrooms. And mushrooms, I know it's a new kind of fad, but there certainly are parent groups. They use mushrooms in microdosing to deal with a lot of the pressures of parenthood. And I don't really have an opinion either way of what that would be like, because to be honest, I don't make opinions until I've done it myself. And I haven't done it myself to know whether that is a a good coping mechanism or not, but I will, when we're talking about turning to substances to help us cope, I do wonder whether that's just uh, perpetuating this cycle of just us leaning toward ways to numb out instead of really dealing with our stress and our problems. Like actually exercise deals with stress. It actually does have something, you know, physically, chemically, scientifically proven I don't know if marijuana, wine, mushrooms, beer can say that it helps you cope other than numbing you and making you forget for a while. And so that's where I I just want to bring this awareness as we're going into this very stressful season where we're all feeling the pressures of being perfect, making the magic happen, all the things, just even having to deal with family, (laughs) you know, right? Um, You know, be aware as a parent, what you're consuming to deal with these coping mechanisms. So then Melissa, and I know you're in the same boat as me. We don't always want to drink. Now we do drink. We do our things. Melissa and I, we're fun moms. Mm-hmm. I promise. <laughs> we're, not, we're not being professional. We're fun, but we don't do this all the time. So how do you turn down that glass of wine, that cocktail, that beer, when we're going out with our friends? Cause I tell you what, Yesterday, when I was at that sporting event, I couldn't do it. I suck at turning down the glass. 
of whatever it might be. <laughs> like, I'm not even picky. I just like, take, give it to me, please. Sounds wonderful. I don't have my kids right now. I want to decompress. That yes, sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, anyway. it is really tough. I feel, at least for me personally, I am trying to live so much of a life of intention, both with my time, with my money, with my energy, who I spend my, you know, my company, all of that. So when it comes to this kind of stuff, I feel like I'm being intentional. Like I have, I am making that choice. I know that alcohol is probably going to make me feel like crap the next day is, and then I have to weigh the consequences. Okay. Am I willing to pay the cost to go in, out and have a little bit of fun? And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes it's no, I no, I have too much stuff going on tomorrow. So I'm going to still be there and show up and be social, but I'm, but I'm not going to do that to my body because I don't want to feel that way the next day because I, I have stuff that I need to get done. So I feel like everything is in moderation. I think it's healthy, you know, to be in moderation and everybody's level of that is going to be different. But at least for me, it's very much about being intentional of how much I want to partake, how late I want to stay out. Am I compromising on sleep also, right? All of those things play into it. And a big, probably the biggest piece of that is knowing my own body and really being connected with it and knowing, okay, if I do this, I know that's gonna happen, which I didn't ever think about when I was younger, right? When we're in our twenties, we don't care. We're just there to have fun and we could stay out till three o'clock in the morning and get up and go to work the next day, it didn't matter. But now as I'm getting older, we're getting older, it's being more intentional and, and everything's just in moderation and understanding the consequences. A hundred percent, that is so true. And I think that's part of my maturity as we get, older and I it's not easy to mature that way <laughs> like I don't no, want to we still have fun. <laughs> I don't want to think about how it's going to make yes. me feel Melissa that yeah sucks. that's not fun <laughs> but I do feel like that is a mature thing to do and the right thing to do when I looked it up like how do you do this um some of the suggestions that were presented were to enlist friends for support to help you say no, or, you know, gather around people who also don't drink or do the substance, don't do the substance that you don't want to do. Right. Um, leave the situation was one of their recommendations, which I don't like that suggestion because I wasn't going to leave the football game. Like I just <laughs> wanted, uh, yeah, even the one beer I had, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, it made my body feel crappy. So I should have done more like what you were saying. Um, also online, they suggested that you just say no, thank you, which I think is really good. Just, you know, holding your ground, speak your piece, and hopefully you won't have people around you who are pressuring you. That's the bad part about that one. And so I just don't feel like there's a lot of really good suggestions on how to do this, uh, mm -hmm. which brings us back to us and exactly what you said on, we just kind of have to own it and we have to... Yeah be ready to own it. And some of us aren't, but mm -hmm. that's okay. That's just where you're at in your journey, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that there needs to be any shame around it either. Right. Some parents do still like to go out and drink every weekend and that's, that's okay. I don't think that there needs to be any judgment around that. Obviously there's a line You're not drinking and driving with kids in the car and all, you know, there is a line there for sure. But as far as going out and having fun, we ultimately pay the, our own, price for it, right? With how we feel. I feel like in a lot of my, uh, my friends now, as we're all getting older, it's the same conversations. Man, I couldn't, I can't drink like I used to be able to. It's very, 
uh, like across the board as we get older, that we just have lower tolerance. And I don't know why. I don't know what happens to our bodies as we age that we just can't Make do it. Make it stop, Melissa. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wish I had a magic wand to make it stop. Yeah, because it is. I mean, even just one or two drinks, you can feel it the next day. And that's not I fun. know that if uh, people are watching the video version of this, they're probably <laughs> looking at us going, how old are they? How old can yeah, they I be? Know. Talking about aging. Well, I'll tell you right now. Okay, I'm 47. Mm -hmm. And Melissa yeah, is in her 40s. I won't tell mm -hmm. her exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 42. I can in her it. 40s too. <laughs> Um, and it is, it's happening and it's happening rapidly. This change, I don't like it. Yes. When I also was doing some research about this subject, they gave questions on how, what to ask yourself if you might be coping with the alcohol or the wine or the mushrooms or the weed or whatever it is that you're coping with um, a little too much. So here's some questions to ask yourself. And I like to make this a conversation between the two of us. Um, the first question was, do you end up drinking more than you want to? Mm. And I loved this first question because I'm about half and half. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I'm, I drank one more beer than I wanted to yesterday when it was offered to me. And I think that counts, even though it was only one beer. It was one more beer than I wanted to actually do. Um, on the other hand of that, you know, rarely do I overindulge, but we all do it. <laughs> well, time. it's so hard not to, right? As parents, especially as single parents, when we're keeping it together for so long and then we finally get a break. <laughs> And we want to let loose and have fun. And we're just in the moment, right? It's not that I think that's, that's pretty natural. I know yeah. it happens to me too. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe we ask ourselves, you know, do you end up drinking more than you want to with your kids around? Mm -hmm. And I think that added with your kids around is really important for us to analyze and figure out um, if maybe we need to recheck ourselves, you know? Yes. The second question they said was, have you unsuccessfully tried to cut back or stop drinking before? And I don't know. For me, actually, I've never had to stop anything that I'm doing uh, when it comes to the substances wise, you know, um, where I felt like, I, oh, I had to cut. I know I take that back. I'm lying. <laughs> <sighs> I just remembered a time I did have to do that. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no <that's really> <laughs> I'm keeping this in because I want people to know it's happened. Yeah. that it's true. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to be real and candid in this new season yeah. of that. You can be a really good parent and still have all these issues. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to walk the walk. And um, yeah, there was a time when I did need to cut back and, and it was hard. And I will say that there was a book that helped me get through that. And it was Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. I forget the name of the author off the top of my head. But uh, if you look up Atomic Habits, A-T-O-M-I-C, Atomic, um, you'll find it. It's a best-selling book all over. And basically, they just tell you this book is all about how to create either new habits or eliminate old habits that you don't want. And what's the best way to do that? And it's so stupid, simple that it's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a very good book. Good recommendation. I'm going to put you on the spot for our next question, though. <laughs> All right, bring it on. <laughs> We're being candid. <laughs> Since I had to admit that one. Okay, <laughs> number three. <laughs> Do you spend a lot of time, energy, and money on the substance that you're coping with? This is actually a tough one because I typically don't like to have it in the house anymore because it's just too easy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm having a bad day or whatever just to reach for. It. And I don't like being in that habit at all. And it is more expensive to go out for drinks than it is to drink at home. But I think that also keeps me from drinking less. If I'm, does that make sense? Like if I'm not buying it to have at home, then I actually end up drinking less, even if I'm spending more money love that suggestion because I'm spending more money <laughs> I don't drink as much yeah you know because yeah going to a sporting event or a concert when drinks are $15 15 20 dollars I might have one if that um because I think that's crazy so yes still spending the money but not as frequently limiting yourself on purpose yeah. making it difficult for you giving yes. to do it's good it's a good yeah. idea and still being intentional, right? It's, it is actually used uh, when I do drink, it's in more of like a celebration setting. Again, concerts, you know, it's in fun mode versus using it to cope as I would if I kept it more of it at home. And another question they ask is, has the substances that you might be coping with created conflicts or negative, has negatively affected any of the relationships that you have? friends, families, coworkers, job, or kids. And of course, I'm going to emphasize kids here. So this is really hard. This is a tough question because you need to be honest with yourself when you ask this and not sugarcoat it and make excuses for yourself that it's okay. Has whatever substance you're coping with, is it really, is it, are you, being the best parent that you could be for your kids when you have that. Now, I'm not saying that the answer is yes or no. There's certainly some validity in using some coping mechanisms, okay, and or, you know, hopefully healthier ones, though, to make you a more presentable, patient parent, you know, with your kids. But then there's a point where that gets too far. And now you're just not engaged. Now you don't even want to be engaged. Now your temper and your um, temperament's like sluggish sometimes, or, uh, you know, depending on the substance, like there's other things that it will do to you that will trickle down and affect your children. I won't make either of us answer this out loud because this is a very, very personal question that I really hope the audience sits and ponders. Are you the best parent that you can be on whatever it is that you're coping with? And that's tough. Yeah, and it is. And it's a valid question also. And I can speak from the therapy, the therapist side um, of working with clients that had parents that used alcohol or drugs. It absolutely impacted them when they were children, right? Because they're not present. They're not staying in attunement of being checked in and really consciously aware of what's going on with their kid. They were so absorbed with them, either their own crisis, their own happening, or under the influence that they couldn't even see 
the child that was right there in front of him. So there's definitely a line. I think we're talking more of like social, just having fun, maybe coping, okay, after a bad day, having a glass of wine or two. But there's definitely the extremes. Um, and there's lots of evidence out there showing how damaging it can be for a child, you know, who's developing brain and emotions and all of that to be around a parent that's not fully present. Like they're physically there, but not emotionally present. It can cause some pretty significant harm. So I think it's a really valid question. Yeah. Some of the things that you'd um, want to ask yourself if when you're pondering this question are, do you say things that you don't mean because you're under the influence of some, something, you know? Um, are you not keeping promises to your loved ones because, um, you know, you say to the kids, hey, we're going to go and do this, but then maybe the next day you have a hangover and now you can't go and do those things. Um, and so, and then the kids are disappointed and it is that becoming a pattern, um, even not even a pattern, has it happened just more times than you want it to? And I think that's really important. It does not necessarily have to be a pattern for it to be a problem. It's a problem the one time too many. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, just goes back to my back to my mm -hmm. original thing. I had one beer too many and it makes me mad that I did that to my body. And today I feel crappy, you know? Mm -hmm. And what for what? You know, it that was too much for me. Um, you know, are you losing trust with other people because they don't know what kind of mood you're going to be in when they see you. These are all things that are going to affect a relationship. Um, and you just got to think about those things. So tough. I mean, so, so, so tough. You have any uh, clinical side suggestions for um, parents that are listening that might be repeating the cycle because their parents were drinkers. Do you have any mm -hmm. advice for them or even comments that just, yeah. you know, I have so much compassion for them because they're, when that happens, right, if they have alcoholic parents, we'll just say, for example, they learn from them how to cope with stress. You know, if mom or dad comes home every night from a hard day's work and they pour themselves a cocktail, that's what they learn of, oh, you're stressed. This is how you deal with it. So that's not a great role model typically, but that's what they learn. And I, so I do carry a lot of compassion for them because they just, oftentimes they don't know any better. And it takes growing up, realizing that it's not super healthy and actually going and reparenting themselves of how to learn other coping tools. And I think that's the biggest thing is that it's, it's okay to use this every once in a while as a coping strategy, but man, there's a whole lot of other ones that we can be using instead that are actually more effective. Right. The getting out, being being around other people and having good, deep conversations that helps a lot. Good friends, having hobbies, having um, being physically active help a lot. Something to engage us actually more in different parts of our life away from what we're stressed about. And play is a huge one. Right. Play, whether it's with your kids, your friends, you go and play by yourself. I think that that's actually a much more healthy way to cope. Um, but it does take figuring that out as an adult, if you didn't have those experiences growing up of, okay, what actually works for me? What fills my cup? What relieves stress for me? It can be a learning curve. You know, it could take a while. And I'm glad you brought out. that up because that's how I want to end this episode is wh where do we find solutions mm -hmm. if we're listening to this and we're like, you know, this is it. I do need to change this or cut it back or whatever that mm -hmm. might look like for whoever you are. Um, and you know, for me, 
I just need to be stronger. I need to hold my ground better. I know, you know, I know, I know. I just make stupid choices sometimes, <laughs> you know? Um, and I got to stop worrying about what other people think. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, why not yesterday, knowing that even just the one freaking bear was going to make me feel crappy? Why not have just said, no, thank you? Or even just switched it up. Like shots, I hate to say it, shots don't make me sick. Like hard mm -hmm. alcohol doesn't. And so, but the beer does. So why didn't I not offer an alternative, you know? And you can offer an alternative too, even if it's a healthy alternative. Oh, you know, I don't really want to have a drink, but I'll have an appetizer and sit with you guys and eat and talk, you know, when you're with a small group of people or, you know, offering that alternative, I think is important. And we got to just get better at that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know you're all you're getting outdoors. Those are all great suggestions. Yeah. And I feel like there is a movement towards having like there's a few places here in Denver that serve really good mocktails. Right. So you still can go out for a drink, but it's just non-alcoholic. So finding one or two of those really good ones or like mules are really popular right now. So you can still get the ginger beer, but without that alcohol. You can even have them put it in the cute copper cup. So I think having some go-tos in your head of, okay, I know that this is what I'm probably going to drink, you know, like plan it out in a, ahead of time. I love seltzer water, just like soda water without alcohol in it. So that's a big go-to for me. So just being in, yeah, it goes back to being intentional. Well, I hope that the audience really takes all this to heart and, and checks it out. Um, this week on the Impactful Parent, um, in our parent education series, the parent education series this week is about bad parenting and what does that look like? Um, has the parent education series, if you haven't came and joined us with that yet, it's uh, offered on Wednesdays around lunchtime and Sundays in the evening and each week the topic shifts. So as this one, bad parenting and what does it look like, really doesn't have anything to do with this particular episode, but it's funny that it kind of matches. If you're a little afraid that maybe you might be leaning into some bad parenting, this whole episode of the, um, of the parent education series that you can join us with is all about what does bad parenting look like. Thank you for joining us today. Remember that this episode is just a small part of what the Impactful Parent offers. Also available are online courses, parent support groups, coaching services, and the Impactful Parent app. So find out more by going to theimpactfulparent.com. To find out more about Melissa's services, please go to fireandrainscoaching.com. And then become a more impactful parent by downloading the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free and you can carry helps and tips and resources right in your pocket so that you can discover new techniques to make your parenting more effective and get those parenting resources that are just gonna make your life easier. So download the app today. You got nothing to lose because it's free to download. So go to theimpactfulparent.com or your app store on your phone and discover how you can step up your parenting game and become a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app. 
so you don't miss a parenting tip that could help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.